Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to this first episode of 2023 of The Cinephiles. And we're doing it live. F it, we're doing it live here. Doing it live. On The Cinephiles and having a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to talk about the state of cinema uh, coming out of 2022 into 2023, what we can expect, how we feel about 20, how 2022 went. And we've got some incredible guests who are going to be joining us as well to have that conversation as we go along throughout the show. And we've got some big announcements coming uh, about the show in 2023 and what we're going to be covering, what we're going to be talking about both uh, this week coming up and also future episodes we are coming down the pike for us in 2023. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roken, joined as always by the man over there, Steve Morris, one one half of the Cinephiles. How are you, Steve? I'm good. And it was fine. I, I guess, am I the right half of the Cinephiles and you are the left half? Because... Ooh, I, 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 would dis I don't know if I want to do that in this political climate. So I'll just say... <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. <laughs> just one yeah. half regardless of direction is what i would we, say yeah. we did a live show for the for star trek for enterprise incidents oh, yesterday yeah. and there were a bunch of people that were very upset that i was on your side of the camera oh. that i was on the left side and they're like wow. no no steve morris is supposed to be on the right side this is wow. not wow. yeah <sighs> this is serious stuff man hey lighten up francis jesus christ like, who <laughs> cares just, just be happy that they're on the screen at all the people you like are on the screen at all but yeah there you go uh, Steve, how how are you feeling? How was your New Year's? You sound a little stuffed up. So, do you want to tell the fans who may not know uh, that uh, what you've been kind of battling over the last couple of weeks? Well, it hasn't been that much of a battle, but <laughs> as you can hear from my voice, yeah, uh, I got a very very special Christmas present, which is Christmas morning as I'm sitting in the house that I grew up with with my mom and my sister. You should have music playing underneath this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I got to unwrap. A COVID test that was positive. So oh! I, I had managed. I I literally had started to go. Hey, maybe I'm never going to get this thing. Maybe I've maybe I've got some special DNA that's protecting me. Nope. So instead of seeing all the family and friends and joining everybody for yeah. holiday fun, I went up to sit in my sister's house for a week by myself. Wow. Wow, just running around like uh, Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone, just running around it's there. Almost exactly like that business. with less slapstick. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, as I said, we're talking about all kinds of things here on the show today. Thank you all so much for taking time out of your day on a Sunday, or if you're in Australia, what is it, Monday? Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it madly. Um, you can send in your Streamlabs as we go along. The address is right there on the screen in the middle of Steve and I, right above our heads. I'm also going to pin it in the chat in just a second so you guys can take a look at that. So if you want to have any questions or uh, thoughts or comments that you want us to specifically highlight and answer for you, we are willing to do that uh, here throughout the show. Uh, but Steve, you before we get started, you wanted to start off the episode with a personal uh, story, a personal statement. So uh, please, the floor is yours. And I did. It, it, I had something I wanted to share with everyone. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had something I wanted to share with everyone. It, it feels a little bit odd. I'm generally a pretty private person, but there's been stuff going on in my life. And after a year, you know, we share so much of ourselves and we talk so much about our lives as we talk about films that it just started to feel dishonest that I was kind of keeping this to myself. So here's the thing that I want to share, which is that like a lot of people over the last few years of the pandemic, uh, Karen and I saw it as an opportunity to kind of take stock of things. And while we remained really, really great friends and we cared about each other a lot, we weren't all that happy. And so after a lot of therapy and which, by the way, if you listen to me give ads for better help and I talk about my own experiences with therapy, this is really what I'm talking about, which is trying to work through 
what the stuff was in our relationship and see if we could make it better. And what we finally decided, and there was no like big upsets or betrayals or anything like that. It was just that neither of us were that happy. And we finally went, maybe we would be happier living apart. And so just about a year ago, uh, we separated and that's what I haven't been sharing with all of you. And the big question that we wanted to answer was, could we maintain our friendship? Could we continue to support each other as members of a family and as good parents and also see if we could live happier, more fulfilling lives separately? And quite frankly, the answer really quickly was very obvious to us. And that answer was yes. Both of us have been much happier living apart. And while we continue to care about each other, in fact, Karen was literally just here watching our movie that we're going to be working on next week, which we'll announce later, and hanging out with Jax, we've decided to make that separation permanent. And so that's what I wanted to share. And I know this sounds like really sad news, but it really, really isn't. And we've worked really, really hard throughout this process to really try to look out for each other's feelings. And I have to say, having great friends like John and the other people that you know, knew about this and have supported us throughout and in particular haven't taken sides and have really maintained their friendships with me and maintained their friendships with Karen has been the best. So that's the news I wanted to share. That's kind of what's been going on in my life. And I'm, I'm going to say it again. It sounds like bad news. It isn't. This is really, we believe, has been the best best choice for both of us. And just to let people know, I've, I've known about this for just a few weeks now, and I really appreciate Steve taking me into his confidence when this was all going down. I've been, a, you know, a big fan. And well, you've known about it for a year. I mean, well, <laughs> has it been a year? I, yeah, I don't know. It time Aaron moved out time a year ago. COVID? Yeah. I feel like I'm a space baby in 2001. I have no idea what time is anymore. <laughs> but I've known about it for a while, but I've been such a fan of both of you that it, it's been a very awesome thing to see you guys handle this in a very mature, caring fashion. Uh, and uh, I think that's only going to bode well for Jackson, and it's only going to bode well for both of you as you move on in your lives. And you know, th th everything is stages, and so I'm I'm proud of you for how you both of you are handling it. As a guy who is not married and never been married, never experienced it, but of course feel like I'm married to my current girlfriend. I I have to say I'm my current Jesus Christ, my life partner, I should say. So before I get a brick in the head, uh, <laughs> I have to just uh, respect what you and, and Karen have done. So uh, much love to you guys for sure. So uh, thanks. Yeah. So if you guys want to send stuff, uh, you know, comments or whatever in for Steve, please feel free. Also, you can send it to his social media as well. I'm sure Steve would appreciate any words of support and positive thoughts and comments you might have for this situation. Uh, I mean, it is, you know, just one more thing I want to say yeah, is that please. like, of course, Karen and I met in 1988 and started mm -hmm. dating in 1991. Yeah. So, and the thing is, we were kids and we just changed. People change. Yeah. And we looked at our lives and suddenly went, oh, we want different stuff. We want to live in different ways. We want to, yeah. you know, and that I really think, and, and the thing, and I'm just going to say it again, we have a great group of friends and yeah. the amount of support and the fact that nobody has tried to take sides, nobody has tried to pit us against each other. Everyone is... Yeah. It's been great. It re it really has been a great transition. Yeah, and you know, for people to know, and people followed me. Our group of friends is like seventy five deep, uh, and we've yep. gone through a few divorces over the last few years. It's, some so, of them that didn't happen, you know. Right, exactly. All right, so it, we found our way through it. So this is a very positive one for sure. Philip saying, um, "Wow, as a person with three ex wives, Jesus Christ, that is truly an amazing and rare example. You and Karen are setting impressive. Well, there you go. Um, <coughs> Thanks, Philip." 
yeah, Philip trying to be the male Elizabeth Taylor over here. All right, respect, Philip. Um, all right, so Steve, uh, we should bring on our first guests, uh, or our first guest at least, and then our we've got a second guest waiting as well. But let's bring in our first guest, who I think we can say is an honorary member of the Cinephiles. I think Absolutely. he's been on so many times. He is currently the co-host of Enterprise and Incidents with you. He's, of course, a well-renowned movie critic, pundit. He was just on KTLA for a whole week talking about all the great movies that are come out. He is always on KTLA. He just was there consistently for a whole week talking about all this kind of stuff. Man, we both love and respect and admire very much. And a guy who a lot of people in the sphere pay attention to when he talks about movies. And we're very honored that he's taking the time to hang out with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, the movie man's himself, Scott Mance. Hello. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? <laughs> well, hey there, my friends. Happy <laughs> New Year to you. Steve, I mean, look, I just saw you yesterday. So true. What's up, buddy? <laughs> but John Stephen Roca. Hello. Happy friggin' New Year to you, my great dear friend and brother. I love you a million times over. Ditto. And I, I just I'm assuming that your 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 ears must have been ringing yesterday because <laughs> when Steve and I were doing our live enterprise incidents, the number of times in which I said that uh, this would not have been possible if you, oh. John, did not bring me on to the cinephiles to do that first deep dive into the wrath of Khan enterprise incidents never would have happened. So I am so beyond beyond grateful to you, Johnny, for 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 just a your friendship in general but but really for making this happen i mean the the joy that i've gotten out of this is uh knows no bounds so i am beyond grateful to you thank you my friend well, look it's very kind of you to say that but if you hadn't said yes out of the kindness of your heart because remember i was just getting into the business and you were a fast friend which i always appreciated the fact that you were willing to come on so give yourself a little more credit brother you're a well, very giving person and i appreciated that you were willing to take a chance on a new podcast and a new and meet a new person like Steve at the time. So thank you, my friend. Well, well, if everyone who's watching this live already knows what I'm about to say, everyone's going to be watching later or listening on the podcast version of the Cinephiles. Yeah. Also, probably already knows this, but I have never had more fun talking about movies <laughs> with two greater true Cinephiles on the Cinephiles. I, I mean, nowhere else. Nowhere else. Do I do I have such a, a more a, a rewarding conversation about movies with two just super super great guys who I consider really really good friends? I mean, the cinephiles is where it's at, and you know I know you know Johnny that one mm -hmm. time that 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 I uh, uh, Steve put together a live show because you weren't feeling well oh, that yeah. week. I, had to but I am dying, I am dying to return to a true episode of the cinephiles yes. where we can do a deep dive into a film and i think you know what i want that movie to be yes um, I, so I'm not <clears throat> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> i i'm not sure which movie we've talked about the most that we haven't actually done but the odds are it's this one yeah and i think we you know, we're going to talk about what our director deep dive is going to be this year we're going to mm. talk about some other plans but i think when we get past that man it's time we have to do it it's we yeah, talked about it forever hundred percent. hundred percent. Can't wait, gentlemen. I agree. This Philip says, uh, Roka, please share your top three TOS episodes real quick. Yes. Uh, it is uh, Space Seed, Space Seed, and Space Seed. 
Uh, question nice. answered. Question answered. Uh, no, no, of course, there's two other ones. But yeah, so for right now, I, uh, we're focusing on the movie stuff, and I'll swing back to that as I spend a little more time thinking about it. But I think you can find that with the episodes that I guested on with these two gentlemen, Enterprise Incidents. I chose those episodes because they are my favorite episodes. And these two were very kind to let me come on and be a guest on their show. We're here to talk about the state of cinema. And Scott Mance, got to go back to you and talk about this. This is something you know very, very well. You're well-renowned in hosting the Q&A. So you've got this in-depth conversations going on with all of these directors, producers, actors from multiple studios, multiple genres of films. You're incredible for doing that. You're criticizing this stuff. You're, you're uh, offering your analysis of these movies. How do you feel... As we're on the precipice of 2023 here, or actually we're a week into 2023, how do you feel about the state of cinema coming out of 2022, going into 2023, factoring all the streaming stuff that seems to be going busto, uh, and the DC stuff that's insane, but Marvel churning along, Star Wars churning along, and these smaller, more independent films uh, starting to uh, get into people's minds for awards here as we enter award season as well? Well, that is a very loaded, loaded question. So, so, I mean, yeah, I get to be here for the next hour talking about all that. But first, I wanted to say that 2022 was not quite a return to form, but mm. it was a step in the right direction. And not just because he had movies like Top Gun Maverick, which I know you guys loved, but also oh, yeah. Elvis. Elvis was also a very, very big yeah. hit. Um, and, you know, of course, the superhero movies, you know, like Wakanda Forever uh, did well. Uh, Batman did really well. And, of course, Avatar is really like, you know, knocking him dead right now. But you also had an independent film like Everything Everywhere All at Once made yeah. more than $100 million worldwide. And that is that's a hell of a thing. And now, I mean, yeah, the movie The Menu uh, yeah. with Anya Taylor Joy and uh, Ray Fiennes did really well, making about $30 million domestic, which for that kind of a film was really good. So we're not there yet. And I think the problem with 2022, and you guys know this as well, is that after the summer, after the Brad Pitt movie Bullet Train, yeah. like there just weren't any films really to talk about for about two months. Mm. And the reason for that was there wasn't any product because of the slowdown because of COVID. So all the, all the, uh, you know, we're back, you know, with the movies and everything talk that happened over the summer, that kind of came to a, a screeching halt because there were no movies until like Black Adam and Wakanda Forever. Mm. So so with the state of cinema, I think that 2023 is looking for a big step in the right direction. I mean, who knows what independent movies are going to come out of the woodwork at the Sundance Film Festival in a couple of weeks. Right. But you've got the new Scream film. You've got John Wick 4. You've got Mission Impossible, Death Reckoning 1. Uh, you've got Indiana Jones 5. I mean, there are so many uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3. I mean, right. there are so many. Like when you look at 2023 like all the previews that I was looking at 2023, like that, I feel like this year will be the return to form that we've been waiting three years to have. And, you know, with regards to Marvel, I think that phase four wasn't nearly as good as phase one, phase two, or phase three. I mean, it was like hit or miss and phase three kind of phase four kind of came to a close with a movie that I thought was very good. Black Panther, yeah. Wakanda forever, but not, it was no Avengers Endgame. Um, and the DCEU, uh, I think, is in such a state of disarray right now. Uh, you know, James Gunn is, uh, you know, taking that over, I guess, officially when he's done with Guardians 3. But but I, I think that 
what they needed to do and what I think that James Gunn, uh, pardon my French, has the balls to do when he's doing mm-hmm. it, he's basically hitting the reset button on the DCEU so they can bring some fun into it because I have not been a fan of the Snyderverse. The yeah. only sort of DCEU movie that I really liked was uh, Wonder Woman, the first one. Yeah. Uh, and I did like Shazam and I did like the Batman, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, I thought that was a very, very good film. But, you know, you need some unity for the DCEU. And I think James Gunn, after working in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is the one to do it. As for Star Wars, I mean, are we ever going to see another Star Wars feature film again? <laughs> Who knows? But I will say that Andor was fantastic. Yeah, agreed as a series. And I will throw this in. Uh, I think 2022, I think you're absolutely right, Scott. You're spot on with a lot of analysis here. And 2023 certainly feels like we're going back to uh, one film after another, one film after another. They're all just stacked on top of each other. Yeah. So all of us who run YouTube channels are like salivating, chomping at the bit that we're actually going to have content to do. But on the other side, I also think that we got some really great international films that broke through in a way that they hadn't in the last couple of years with All Quiet on the Western Front, with Decision to Leave, with RRR. Even I would throw in Banshees of Inishir, and even it's an Irish film still uh, uh, you know, not uh, from this country. So there was a number of of uh, films that broke through uh, that were really well regarded uh, overall. So I think that was one of the big positives coming out of 2022 as well. Steve, what do you think um, about the state of cinema here as we come out of 2022, walking into 2023? We've got Gerard Butler's plane next week. Everybody's lining uh, up for that one. So uh, what's your feeling on this uh, overall? <laughs> the state of cinema? I, I think what we've experienced in the last few years is is like a shit show on top of a shit show on top of a shit show dealing, you know, connected to another shit show. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's when you think about all the great transitional moments in cinema history, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to transition to sound. Well, that's one thing you're dealing with at once. Right. You know, television has come along and the movies are going, how do we compete when people have a screen at home that they can look at it? And so we got, you know, widescreen movies. We got stereo movies. We got the, the experiment with some things. But most of the time as these trans or the VHS transition, that's the next one. How are we going to deal with that? Most of these times, these transitions were happening kind of one thing at a time. Or yeah. two things at a time. Yeah. And what happened in the last three years, we we're already dealing with this transition to streaming and the rise of the powers of Amazon and Netflix and later Apple. And, and there's already like, how are we going to deal with that? But then we get hit with the rise of the Marvel movies and the mm. Star Wars movies. And so then the studios, in addition to coming up with a new streaming strategy, they're all scrambling to come up with their... What's going to be our big universe strategy? How are we going to do that? And then in the midst of all that, we get COVID and a massive pandemic. And so, like, I think we're still scrambling, you know, and it's not like and and, and, and DC is like the best example of there is that is a Gordian knot and there is no right way. There's no way to untangle it. It is it literally I think it's got to be they just you know, Alexander wise, they have to cut it through. And when you cut through the Gordian knot, there's going to be things that you lose. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. I think what, what I do think is hopeful is part of it, <clears throat> even though there's been so much chaos with whether we're doing day and date releases or how long the window is going to be or straight to a streaming service. And nobody's figured any of that out. And, and with the changes in the stock market, that's changed what the strategy is going to be. And nobody's figured any of that out either. Yeah. But, the advantage is I think we've gotten more interesting non-major IP movies in the last year than we have in a while. 
you know, with movies, you mentioned the menu, but there's, you know, and there's movies like Banshee's Doing and Sheeran, you mentioned, and Nope. And it's like, these are movies where, oh, people are actually going to make some interesting stuff yeah. and there are audiences for it because of the streaming services. And I think that is a hopeful sign as much as some of the other things have fallen away. I totally agree with Scott. And I know yeah. John, you feel this way too about phase four of Marvel. I also think, you know, the amount of average star Wars we saw, or even not very good. It's a lot considering we were watching it almost every week until we get to Andor, which yeah. I think is, fucking brilliant so I, <laughs> yeah. I, I i think there are lots of sign but then the other thing of course is that some of these movies that we thought were really good or some of the shows like andor didn't apparently do as well as some of the things you know there's some terrible stuff that seemed to do much better so it's a lot well, of chaos i think it's the, the that is that narrative is changing as people mm. have been home for the holidays and stuff like that the oh, numbers good. are starting to pop back up for andor so people are discovering it and certainly star wars and lucasfilm is, and Disney are pushing it strongly. Scott, would you say, because uh, we had other guests to come in, I want to ask you a quick question before we do that. Um, would you say that in a weird, indirect way, COVID might have saved independent films and the feeling of them because they were dropping those on streaming service, which initially was rejected and people were angry about, but people were home. People were able to watch this content. People were able to maybe see these films that they didn't want to see the big big explosions they wanted to watch something smaller all these streaming services putting out these films do you think in some weird way that helped these independent films these smaller films say medium-sized films to get a little more appreciation uh and and stay afloat and then now people are starting to go back and see these in the theaters or do you think it was actually a, a negative thing overall john Stephen roca that is such a great question <laughs> And the easy answer, the short answer to that question is CODA. Oh, great. Mm. CODA, oh, yeah. not only did people watch that film, nice. but not only did it win Best Picture, making it the first movie from a streaming service to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards, but after spending tens of millions of dollars uh, Netflix really, really tried to win Best Picture, and yeah. Apple just like, oh, we're going to buy this little movie from Sundance, and boom, it wins Best Picture. So, so overall, I would say that you're absolutely right, John. The streaming services gave a voice to independent film. People were able to watch these movies and watch they did because where else were they going to watch them? Mm. The problem, fellas, is this. How do you put the genie back in the bottle? Great point. Yeah. And to Steve's yeah. point, you know, what COVID did was it sped up a process that was already in motion yeah. where people were getting very, very picky with what they were going to go to the movies to see and what they were going to watch at home or wait to watch at home. Now, when COVID happened and theaters were shut down, closed completely for a year, yeah. They had no choice. So they watched these movies at home and you had all these, these studios like Paramount, uh, especially, you know, with like coming to America and the tomorrow war sold yeah. their films to streaming services because like, well, you can't put them in theaters because theaters are closed anyway. And they were getting like really good quality theater, uh, in the, except in the case of coming to America, they were getting oh, some yeah. decent movies to watch at home. So, Again, it's like, all right, well, now the theaters are open again. And, and, you know, even though COVID is still a very, very big issue, 
uh, you know, as as Steve Morris's presence here today will. Have <laughs> <laughs> you made me cough. <laughs> you sound better than you did yesterday, so I feel like oh, you thanks. are on the mend. But you know, the thing is, is that uh, you know uh, that that there have been some exceptions, like everything, everywhere, all at once, did really, really well, and I'm yeah. so glad it did. But there is another film that I thought for sure would do really, really well in theaters, and it didn't. And I know I'm pretty sure you guys saw this movie, and I know John, I'm pretty sure you loved it. Yeah. Is uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent? Yeah, Nicholas yeah. Cage. That should have been a hit. Yes. That should have yeah. been a bigger hit than everything everywhere, but it wasn't. Mm. So, uh, but then at the same time, where Paramount was selling some of some of their movies to the to other streaming services, there was one that they held on to. Yeah, boy, they hold on to that movie. And John, I know you saw the CinemaCon, and it is a film that that really brought a lot of people back to the movies who hadn't been in more than two years. And of course, that's Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. And then the following month, Elvis also did like super well uh, worldwide, uh, you know, almost $300 million worldwide, if not more, if I'm not if I'm wrong. So so I think people are are, are they're being very picky about what they're going to see. You know, yeah. when it comes to the independent films, like who knows? You know, we just don't know. But, you know, at the top of this uh, uh, conversation, John, you asked, uh, did the streaming services give a voice and an, a, a, an outlet and a platform to independent movies? And clearly the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's, you know, we all saw that they were kind of doing not well at the box office. And it seems like streaming services reawoke people's desire to see these kinds of films and maybe woke up studios' desires to green light them in a little bit uh, with higher quantity, possibly. Sure. We, sure. we shall see. We shall see. <laughs> uh, let's bring on uh, one of our first, uh, one of our second guests here. He's been waiting for a little bit to come on. He is. Uh, what do I say? He's an illustrator. He's an animator. He's a very intelligent man, a soft-spoken man, a man who brings <laughs> – he's going to class up the joint with his looks, uh, and that is uh, Stephen B. Jones. Stephen, hello, former guest on the Cinevals as well. How are you? John, Stephen Roca, thank you very much for that wonderful <laughs> intro. Um, I'm a little disappointed because I thought you were introducing me when you were talking about Scott Mance. That's the unofficial uh, – <laughs> third member but then i had to realize i'm like oh wait all right scott does have a whole other podcast with steve so that's, that's thank you for that kind of well, um, i see you right, wearing so the france the, outfit there like stuff there what's up there it's just yeah just, just i i need to get the one that has two stars this one's four years old so it's actually just got the one star i was very much hoping for the three stars but we'll have to yeah. You know, Kelly Mbappe's four years. We, I think he'll still be playing four years from now. So I agree. I agree. We're, how how did how did but before we talk about John? How did you feel about the World Cup? Very I love the World Cup. I thought it was great. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't like where it was held, and there were issues going on with that. Uh, but I think there's a great right. thirty for thirty documentary coming about that whole situation that I think will be a fantastic one to watch uh, for sure. And there's a new one coming about the European Super League on Apple TV later on this month that I think people are going to enjoy. I've already watched two episodes of that one. So, yeah, good stuff. Well, FIFA, sure. is such, FIFA is such a classy organization. I'm sure, like, Russia 2018, <laughs> Qatar. I am think yeah. I think North Korea's next, right? Is that where? Is oh, Jesus Christ. Years? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, um, Steve, you're on the show here. I mean, you've been a show. You've been a guest on The Cinephiles before. What are your feelings? You know, you're an animator. You've, of course, dealt with animated series and all that. Like, what is your feeling coming out of uh, 2022 here into 2023? 
about the state of cinema. You know, the three of us talk about film all the time. Steve, you're on the other side a little bit. Uh, what is your feeling about it? Well, I got to say, John, I'm a little unprepared because uh, Steve Moore, I was really all set to talk about that first opening shot of Mad Max where it opens on the Hall of Justice. It says a few years from now. Um, so <laughs> I, I can just pivot 43 years into the present time. Um, no, I, we're in it. Right. We're in it. I don't I don't know if I can add anything to, to what you guys said, except maybe just to bring in. It's interesting that animated films still exist they still they, they still have a little bit they're still in a little bit of rarefied air right like a it's an excuse for people that view them only as children's entertainment it's an excuse to like get your kids out of the house and have something to do right and they're still highly visual so it is you know like there's still a decent chance to get people into the theaters you know like but at the same time we saw during the pandemic that if studios didn't feel strongly enough about them, they were streaming, right? Like, like Soul came out streaming because there was really no other choice at that point, at that right. that time during the pandemic. And then, you know, Strange World's an interesting film, like that the general consensus is that it sort of just misses, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's because, I don't you know, Disney, has always struggled with anything that leans into boys action, right? It's like the smartest thing they ever did was to buy Star Wars and Marvel and, you know, just to recognize that they didn't know how Great to do point. it. So le yeah. let's just, <laughs> let's just spend, you know, as much, let's just spend a zillion dollars to get people that already know how to do it and then just let them do it and stuff. And so I think, um, and what else did we have? Oh, well, I love the bad guys. I thought that was mm, I did a too. great. I liked dream, it a lot. You know, DreamWorks film. And I'm really, but I, you know, I, I've been very uh, wary of, I think the last movie I've seen in the theater this year was Top Gun Maverick. I've, I've still been a little bit wary to, to go back into the theater as like, I mean, both, <laughs> both you guys have been going to the movies and you've both not to, you know, and you've both, both you guys have gotten sick again this year you know i'm a little wary of yeah. bringing covid back into my household if i and i hate it i mean you know as soon as i got a driver's license actually as soon as my best friend got a driver's license before me i've been going to the movies probably like once a week since 19 <clears throat> and so <laughs> i think like it's been it's been hard i think the gentleman was the last movie that i saw Wow, the in the rich theater bef before the pandemic, you know, like wow. that was my, I, you know, that's like the classic. You didn't know it was going to be the, you didn't know what your last movie in the theater was going to be. Right. I mean, I'm right. happy that it was. I, I love the gentleman. Um, we could do a whole Guy Ritchie episode. I'd be quite happy to do that. But, mm -hmm. um, but then I think the Batman and Top Gun are the only movies I've seen in the theater in 2022, wow. and. And I'm and and I'm I'm chomping at the bit to go back. I might I might try to see if I can pull off since I work from home. Maybe I can try to pull off like going to a Tuesday morning Avatar because I would like to see that. You really in the need. Theater. You, you, I, I think you need to see it in a nice theater. <laughs> I think I think, so I think just visually, Steve, and knowing how your brain works, <laughs> you can ignore Mr. Mance's <laughs> antic gestures over on the side there. I think visually it is absolutely mind-blowing. 
Yeah, I've I've seen it three okay. times now in 4DX in the screening and then four uh, uh, Screen X. I saw it in Screen X. They have one ten minutes from my house. It is a visual masterpiece, an utterly visual masterpiece. <laughs> and I think the story is better this time around than the first time around for wow, sure. Okay. Uh, I, can I just I, say one thing? Because I, I didn't like the first one that much. No, yeah, I, 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 no, I, no I, spoilers, Mr. Mance. I know no, you no, have no, like no a, that there's a there's no something spoilers. wrong with your wrist, but. First of all, Stephen, like you mentioned uh, animated films. I just wanted to throw in two animated films that you have to see. One of them you can see from home. Yes. Uh, and it is my favorite animated movie of the year by a mile. And that is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. A hundred percent. It's great. John, it's what a friggin' movie. I was blown the freak away yeah, yeah, yeah. by that Scott, Steve like Steve Moore liked it too just FYI oh my god it's amazing it's amazing but I loved it film, the other film Steve I want to say is Puss in Boots the, yeah, last wish. the Last Wish I did not expect that movie to be as strong as it is it's way better than the original it's darker it's more mature uh, uh, visually stunning yeah. uh, and for my money more visually stunning than Avatar The Way of Boredom <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> which which, which I gotta say, guys, confession. Uh, yeah. I went to see it a second time, oh. and about ninety minutes in, I said, "I think I'm good," and I left. Uh, I just want to go back to Pinocchio for a moment, <laughs> I, I, and I do want to talk about Avatar too because I haven't had a chance to talk publicly like you guys have. But so I watched Pinocchio literally yesterday with mm. my son, and my son is basically resistance is the most normal thing to all things I want to do with him. Yeah. So he refused, refused, refused. And I said, you have no choice. You have to sit down and watch this movie with me. And if in 25 minutes you absolutely hate, hate it, I will let you go. Sat down. Not a He started singing along with the songs. He was 100% in. And I think in addition to being just stunningly beautiful, that movie's got some depth and some yep. ideas. And when it goes into where it goes into, I was like, oh, yeah, this is really interesting. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. I can't. Wa I can't wait to watch that. And I'm excited about Puss. I like the first Puss in Boots, but uh, I mean, a DreamWorks is on a pretty great role animation-wise right now. I gotta say, they've been releasing a, a good, consistent, and they're taking more chances and risks now. I, I would say, and I think we owe we continue to owe the debt to the Spider Verse a lot for that in terms of sure. opening up. You know what? Because. Puss in Boots looks like they went like, oh, and 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 Bad Guys did it too. Bad Guys was doing fun stuff with like doing like kind of 2D smoke effects within the 3D movie, yeah. you know, like really pushing the bounds of reality. And it looks like uh, Puss in Boots, even though I haven't seen it, just looking at the trailer, they're doing a very painterly effect on it, almost like it's a, you know, a classic painting. And sure. if we didn't right, have um, Spider-Verse, I don't think people would have felt that, you know. You know. That's an excellent, excellent point. Excellent point, Steve. Um, we're getting a little bit of an echo, so I don't know who that is, who's that on, but uh, just make sure you check your connections. Scott, do you need to go? It's three forty. Should we let you go? Uh, I, 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 I got to stick around. I'll stick around for for a little while. I, I, this okay. is a great conversation. I, I I'm really <laughs> all right. Well, let's introduce uh, uh, our fifth member here of our our crew. Uh, one of our guests, who's recent guest of the Cinephiles. This is a friend. I've I've been friends with this man over two decades, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, we had a YouTube show ourselves talking about your pro wrestling way, way back when, when I was dipping my toes in the water of doing this uh, for a living. And uh, he is, he was guest for Do the Right Thing, and he was 
a fantastic uh, guest for us and get, really brought a lot of interesting perspectives for us to take a look at, Steve. And he is a writer, a director, a producer, an actor. He was in L.A. for a very long time running his own thing. Now he's down in, in Florida running his own thing. And I'm very happy to welcome him, uh, Andre Gordon. What's up, Andre? What's up, guys? Can everyone hear me all right? Yes. yes. Sir. You're good. I, I heard somebody walked out of Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Andre Scott Vance, Scott Vance, Andre. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Scott? Good to see you. Guys. How you doing there? Hey, listen. Uh, I, 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 I just don't. I mean, look. Uh, visually, I think it's great. The visual effects are fantastic. But the first time I, the first time that I was watching Avatar, I, uh, I went to a 10 a.m. screening, thinking I'll be oh. jacked up on Starbucks. Movie's three hours and ten minutes long. I'll be wide awake. So like I'm watching a film. I'm watching a film. I'm starting to get a little, you know, tired. I look at my phone. It's only two hours into the film, and I'm going, "Oi!" So then I go back. I see the film a second time, thinking I'm just going to give it a chance. And I'm like, 90 minutes into the film, I'm like, "Okay, I'm good." <laughs> I was out of there. Tapped out. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, so, Andre, what are your thoughts here? As you know, we've been talking about this uh, for a few minutes now. Uh, what are your thoughts as um, from your perspective? You know, you're, you're in Miami. You're not in the bubble of L.A. anymore. Um, you know, you're doing your thing. You've got a family. You've got kids. They're, they're you know, uh, ages where they're going to be where they're being interested in a lot of things. Um, what is your uh, take on all of this as a writer, director and actor, but also as a dad? Uh, uh, looking at the state of cinema here as we go into 2023 and what we got in 2022. You know, all those perspectives are very interesting. I, I didn't realize that I do look at it from those different lenses. Mm. Uh, on one hand, um, you know, different from what you were saying, uh, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones. Um, <laughs> I, I, I go to movies every week and sometimes alone wow. and sometimes with my kids and, you know, Jealous. And it, it it's been great. I mean, um, but I understand the, the the hesitancy to to be back in the theater. I remember the first time I was in the theater and somebody coughed. I was like, "Get me out of here!" <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, 2022 it was interesting. Top Gun showed that I think that there is a um, a yearning for the escapism that film brought originally and there was a there was an art form that film had where they would teach these great messages wrapped into great stories and escapism hmm. there was a section of this year where movies got very political and i oh. think that also divided audiences exactly. from wanting to go into see movies and and i've been in addition to all the things you mentioned john i'm, I'm actually getting my terminal degree in, in screenwriting so i've been watching nice. all of the films from 1920s till now Wow. And I can see from the films in the uh, from the twenties even up to the nineties, story is really lacking now mm -hmm. compared yeah. to then. Interesting. And, and I think there's something to be said about relying so much on we've got to get a universe, but the universe has to be grounded in a foundational story and characters that mean something. And what I've seen in some of the movies is a rush to teach and lecture as opposed to pull us into a world and take us somewhere else that maybe we discover the writer's message through the script, not necessarily like here's our PSA wrapped in CGI. Um, I think watching point. movies at home have been, um, it's been from a, from a business standpoint, my lit agent said to me, we have so many opportunities now. Like if you can't get something sold now, 
you suck basically is what <laughs> I'm saying. like there's there's True. so many places to do it so that that has been positive but i think that um we're seeing the movies that are really popping and making money and doing well are strong in story there's some nostalgia but also taking us somewhere that maybe we don't usually go the escapism for film that is coming back Steve uh, Morris, what are your thoughts on on what Andre has been saying here? What Stephen, uh, what Jones had to say, and what what Mance has, uh, chimed in with as well. Well, first of all, I think that getting a karaoke night with Andre and Steve Jones and John Roca Scott—I don't know if you sing—for me just to watch <laughs> would be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and Scott, you got your guitar in the back, so I know you could play some guitar for this. So I think it would be pretty good. That's my first thought. The second thought is, and and I'm as guilty of this as anyone because. I totally like my recliner at home. I like my creature comforts. I, I I like my TV and I like being by myself. As you guys know, I'm an introvert who, you know, is very happy in my own company. But the reality is, is that the communal experience of going to see a movie is fundamentally different. And that's why I did re-sign up for the AMC A-list again since in the, about two weeks ago, because I want to discipline myself to go to the movie theater because a, you're with other people, and particularly, obviously, for big spectacle movies, that makes a big difference. But also for comedies, it makes a huge difference if we ever put comedies back in the theater, because things are funny when you're with a group. Yeah. And the other thing is that it changes the way I observe the movie, because frequently movies, when I'm watching them at home, if I'm not preparing them for the cinephiles, is not getting 100% of my attention 100% of the time. Right. And when I go to see the movie, it is getting almost 100% of my attention 100% of the time. And that doesn't change the movie. It changes me. It changes my experience. And so things like Top Gun Maverick and Avatar being the biggest two examples of films that people went, I want to see this with people. I want to be in that big screen. I want to have that experience. And I mean, particularly post-COVID, we've all be become so... I want to be where the people are. <laughs> <laughs> we've all... We've all become so isolated. I mean, here we are. It's great for our podcasts and stuff like that, that we can mm -hmm. record them remotely. But, I mean, I've talked to Steve Jones many, many times about my hermit tendencies mm -hmm. and that it's something I really have to fight. And so, and I think a lot of people are in that situation. You know, so I want to say, Steve, what you just said about, about watching a movie at home and it doesn't have your 100% uh, of your attention, but when you watch it, in a theater, it does have your 100% or close to it. I think that kind of sums it up. I think it, that, like it, that it's all right there in that comment. Because I agree. If I'm watching, you know, when I was watching RRR, you yeah. know, John, you brought that movie up before. And I think that's fantastic. And I did watch it twice. But when I watched it the second time, I'm like, oh, I've already seen it. You know, I was on my phone, like checking my emails, you know, and all that stuff while I was watching it at home. Would right. I do that in the theater? Absolutely not. In fact, if anything... If I see somebody else on their phone in a theater, I'll say, hey, I'll ask nicely, can you please put that away? Yeah. Uh, because when I go to a movie, I'm like 100%. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Absolutely. actually. Yeah, it's the societal expectation that you don't do that. Right. Especially with people like us who love and respect movies as much as we do. It's an insult to look on your phone when you're in a theater. But yeah. for some reason, when you're at your house, it just kind of changes in the way you approach it because you're doing it your way. Jones, what are your thoughts on all of this as we discuss it? I, I, I mean, I want to respond to something that Steve said. Scott already agreed perfectly with what Steve said. And but John, I think that's funny too. When I watch movies with my partner, you know, 
we should like if i pick up my phone just even say if it's like someone texts something like that she'll be like do we need to pause you know like she becomes like the person wow. in the theater that's like that's you know but it, but it's good because it's like oh wait right look why don't we give this our full attention and mm. like even if there is something important we'll just pause it. but i love not being able to pause it i love being able to be fully present but he brings up such a good point about the comedies that i forgot like and I remember it was with Steve, I had this experience. Like, I think I saw old school in the theater, but like Andre by myself, you know? So I remember liking old school and going, <laughs> funny. And then Wait. like four months later when it came out at home or, you know, on I saw it with Steve and two other friends, I think at the Chicago Comic-Con. Yeah, Chicago. The hotel yep, room. I remember. And yeah. we were laughing so hard because like, you know, suddenly you're watching it communally and every, and, and, you know, laughs are contagious. And, yeah. and that's, that's why you want to see comedies with a group. Also, Andre, I fucking love Matilda. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. In our, yeah you said so old good. School, old school with Will Ferrell. Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. That came out in 2003. Yeah. That, I, I think someone, someone on the uh, live chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that movie came out in 2003, which makes it a 20 year old movie. That's crazy. Yeah. I think it qualifies. In that story. movie, that was one of the first places where I appear on screen getting run over by the van that's plowing <laughs> through the. Yeah. <laughs> Audrey, I He's remember also... laughing extra hard at that moment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Andre is also leading people running up uh, the Rockway. I remember that scene that's that you right. do as an extra as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that always when I watch the movie. Uh, yeah, that that's one qualifies, Steve. Back that back. one's 20 years old. That one qualifies, I think. For the I love old school, man. We'll have to take a look at it for sure. Tank the Tank? Is that his yeah. name? Frank yeah. the Tank. Yeah, Frank, Frank the, the Tank. tank. <laughs> Getting in butt first. It feels so uh, good when it goes down your throat. <laughs> Andre, this you bring up an excellent point here, and this is something that I, uh, you know, we'll see how much time you guys can hang around. But to talk about this, but this idea of story uh, and this idea of using that as the foundational piece, um, and I wonder if what you're talking about, we can trace all the way back. Ironically, we can trace that back to Spielberg and Jaws, or Lucas and Star Wars. This idea of wanting to create the spectacle film. Now, those films had some really good story, one being based on a book and another one uh, you know, using the tenets of sci-fi and what have you and the space opera aspect of it all. But the idea was to get people into seats. And that seems to be what studios focus on more and more. Now, award season time, of course, they're like, hey, have you met my cousin who's from France or whatever? You're like, hey, they, this, I have credibility. you know. But mostly they're focusing on making this money at the sacrifice possibly of story is that what you're, as you're doing your studies here and you're looking at all those kinds of, is this what you're seeing that's missing from our entertainment? And of course, two of our greatest filmmakers and Lucas and Spielberg, maybe an indirect and unintended consequence of their success is what we're seeing now four or five decades later. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting you say that. A couple of my professors, uh, one of them, she was a writer on Passion of the Christ and she, oh. you know, she's, I mean, she's great. But part of our unit is not focusing on creating films in the vein of many that are created now that are focused on money. And, and, and I get it that there's a business to it, but they're, sure. they're particularly teaching us to not focus on the, 
box office bang. But if you tell great stories, then that those things will come, which I do. I, I do agree. I think, I mean, that's always, I always believe that story is the, the thing, but I, I think that, I think there is such a, a need to recap the money lost over the COVID closure that they're just trying, they're swinging for the fences every time. And when you try and swing for the fences each time, you're going to strike out. And we're seeing a lot more strikeouts than we are home runs. Yeah. And um, and I think that the swings are, are lacking technique. It's just like, okay, maybe this will be the big one. Hmm. Maybe this will be the big one. And we're not, we're not getting it. Can, can I just jump in? Sorry, can I just jump in real fast? Yeah. The the you know everyone who's listened to the show has heard me mention this idea, my crazy idea of the great movies that ruined Hollywood, and and I think where it actually comes from is a book that I know Steve Jones has read, that has come up a couple times, which is Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud mm-hmm. and Scott is Steve's side on the same page. Is that one of the chapters he has? It's a brilliant book on comic books, but it's called The Six Steps. And in the six steps, he says, these are the steps to becoming an artist. And they are surface where you're just kind of learning what the surface is, craft, structure, idiom, form, and story. I think that's mm-hmm. a form and idea. Mm-hmm. And what he says is, is that when someone comes to the point where they make, they really discovered who they are as an artist and create a new idiom. Well, at that point, that's when they become a big hit. But then once the imitators come along, they only imitate the surface. Right. They only look at that top layer. And they go, oh, a big shark monster. Everyone went to see that. Let's make more big monsters. And they don't understand the USS Indianapolis speech. They Mm -hmm. don't understand the establishment of the characters. They don't understand the story. And even, you know, George Lucas himself, I don't think on a fun, who's a genius, fundamentally doesn't understand why we love Star Wars on certain levels. (laughs) You know, Uh and so this is, and if you think about what we've seen in the Star Wars universe of which some has been really good and some not so good it's so much like well we got to have the big battle we got to have the lightsabers we got to have all these surface things and not understanding the deep stuff that made us love that thing in the first place and, and i think that's why what you mentioned earlier and scott mance you mentioned this as well Andor, like this is why Andor works as well as it does because the story is good nary a lightsaber is turned on in that yeah. whole thing and yet it a hundred percent works and it doesn't mean that the other star wars is somehow lesser than it's just this goes back to what made star wars work which is a good story first and foremost you make an excellent point by referencing that steve the imitators look at the surface that's the story that works i would argue that's one of the reasons top gun maverick is so beloved by people because you could argue that story in the first one is pretty flimsy and i love it i for nostalgia it's one. It's my top five favorite 1980s films. Absolutely, <laughs> personally, not technically or or you know construction wise. But looking at Top Gun Maverick, this is a man looking back on his life, the mistakes of his life. This is a man coming to terms with closure. This is a man dealing with the ramifications of having lived a life in a certain way and being open to seeing the ramifications of it. Not trying to win, trying to understand, really sensing what happened and what he's done. And how that has reverberated and echoed throughout his life. You know, I think of two scenes when he jumps down as he thinks he's escaping from the younger daughter of Jennifer Connelly catching him. And she catches him. And the look on his face and her face and what she says to him, don't hurt hurt her anymore. And it was like, damn. And you felt that. Tom Cruise looking through the fucking window as Rooster is playing on the piano 
remembering his best friend, remembering a time when he was young and, and, he, and, and the world was his oyster and he fought through the things that he fought through, but the price that it cost him, right? And here, what he has to do, what he's driven to do or called to do, and of course, the scene with Val Kilmer, which has so much oh. resonance. Oh. Right? That story, that story, Scott, don't you think? Preach, Johnny. Absolutely, one hundred thousand percent, yes. And then the like, you know, just that that you know, no spoiler because I'm sure you've all seen it. Movie made one point five billion dollars worldwide, yeah. but just you know, the the last scenes of the movie. That's just the, John. Uh, the, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Please. just John. Um, but you know, back on the flight deck uh, after the mission, you know, yeah. uh, when uh, you know Rooster and Maverick, you know, hug and they're building the plane together, and I mean, it's and and just Paramount was so damn smart to hold on to it and release yeah. it at just the right time and Memorial Weekend when when COVID was at its lowest uh, point, you know, hopefully uh, it'll you know won't get back up again, but. Uh, it was like magic hour. It was the magic time. But listen, I I, I do got to run. And fellas, happy new year. So so I just if you want to know where I'm going, so I, I have to go and I have to rest up. So I was going to go see Avatar and take a nap for three hours. <laughs> and uh, I'll evil, be well rested for the rest of the night, man. <laughs> well, Scott, oh. tell me where they can find you and where they can find the stuff that you're working on, please. Uh, just, just real fast, you know, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Nance. You know, do check out my other podcast uh, with Steve Morris, Enterprise Incidents, and and fellas, uh, happy movie watching in 2023. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep getting better, and keep going boldly, Steve Morris. <laughs> See, See you, Scott. See you, Scotty. See you. Thanks so much, brother. Uh, good stuff there from Scott Manson. Yeah, guys, if you live in the LA LA area, Scott, you definitely should follow Scott because he always announces when he's doing his Q&As and maybe you can catch him doing Q&As and stuff and you can tell him how much you loved him on Enterprise Incidents or the Cinephiles. Um, Steve, uh, you want to chime in on some more stuff here? Uh, I know we're losing, we're probably losing Andre very soon. I don't know how long Jones can stick around. So is there anything you want to ask, Steve? I've been asking all the questions, so I apologize for that. Please. Well, I, I do actually. Well, I want to say one thing on Maverick is the thing I think they did was so brilliant was they made a story about a guy trying to figure out how to change while remaining essentially who he is. Yeah. Right. That's what's that's what makes that movie work so well for me. Um, I'm curious about what everyone is looking forward to most. Andre, I know you have to go soon. What in 2023 mm. are you most excited about? Uh, you know, I, I am very interested to see where Superman, where like, where the whole reboot is going. The, the, the rip off the <laughs> Band-Aid, clean slate. You know, I know there's an uproar about it, but I'm curious to see where that goes. And, I, and I'm interested to see what type of films have a, have theatrical release versus um, streaming release. I notice at the end of the year, the window between streaming and theater is very close now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're giving it uh, a really short, uh, limited, uh, uh, specific time in the theater only. So I, I also want to see where that goes. But I want to see where the reboot goes. I want to see where this reboot goes and, and how the fans either keep, you know, screaming or if, if they're like, okay, you know what? He was right. Well, good question. Jones? Um, uh, okay. Well, I'm cognizant of Andre having to go, so I don't want to keep him on here extra to answer my, his, my question. Um, all right, working. I guess just speaking... Hmm. 
Steve said it perfectly with DC and this Gordian not right like mm. and in some ways doing this reboot with James Gunn I don't know it's probably way riskier than trying to take what has worked mm-hmm. and keep keep it along you know and it's ironic because phase four has introduced the multiverse to Marvel and that may very well be the way that they're able to like cherry pick what they want from Fox you know and anything X or spider related or whatever. And we'll have to see what Marvel's able to do in phase five, if they can rebuild some of what seems to be a general consensus of people, regardless of my own feelings about it, there seems to be a general consensus of people feeling a little let down by a lot of phase four. So, mm-hmm. but with these, I mean, Black Adam is not a perfect film, but there's a lot of things that I like about it. And really, um, there is almost <laughs> nothing I like about it. I'm going full manse on you for this one. I thought right. that was a heinous, <laughs> terrible movie. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. I love maybe, you. Maybe but... I just, maybe I just, maybe I just liked Wayne the Rock Johnson too much. And like, I yeah, like him a lot. And like the casting of him as well. And also, too, I mean, you know, I'm troubled by so much of Man of Steel and 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 the Snyder film, but I do like Henry Cavill as Superman. I love like, him. I think, I think he's great. So, I, so I, I think it's ironic that they didn't, because what we're looking at here now, it's just what, it's people got to stop reading DC comics. You know, like, yeah, the crisis, and then, you know, DC did the 52. There was a certain point where DC kept rebooting itself so much in the comics, and it said, all right, now's the perfect jumping on point. And I remember literally going, or the perfect jumping off point. <laughs> like I've I've had enough of you resetting your universe. I I was invested in this storyline, and now you're saying it doesn't exist. And so, especially since they are clearly going to keep the Matt Reeves Batman, uh, and then will James Gunn be trying to hold on to his version of the Suicide Squad? Like, I think yeah. do overs are very risky, you know. And you can set, up, and you have to especially since people know that he's supposed to be building a universe from scratch. Like it's like, it's like Tom Cruise's the mummy, right? Where they're like, Hey, we're creating the dark universe. But then if your first one sucks, you can't make a universe out of it. And so really they need James Gunn and that team to just make one good movie. And I don't know what that is at this point, you know, to, to, to start off from, but I'd like to just be back in the. I'd like. I hope that I will see more movies in 2023 than I did in 2022, since yeah. I only saw two. Um, and I'm resolved. I think I'm resolved to play, to walk that line. I'm resolved to walk that line between YouTuber and reviewer, and it's not always the same because just because you review films doesn't mean people are going to watch your reviews uh, unless you talk about the big films. But I see all the stuff that's coming out in 2023, and there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very excited about a lot of the studio stuff, certainly the Marvel stuff and uh, the, uh, the uh, Mission Impossible, but also Creed 3. Really curious to see what Michael B. Jordan does as a director with that. But I'm also trying to make myself see these smaller films because I missed a few of them, and I'm catching up on all of them now over the last couple of weeks that I think it would have been nice to see those in a theater or to see them when they came out and really catch the zeitgeist of people talking about it. Uh, and so this is what I'm looking forward to in 2023, being challenged to look at not just American films, but international films as well that are coming mm-hmm. out that are going to break through and get seen. Because I used to love to go see international films. And so getting caught up in this business over the last few years, you're, you're pressed for time all the time. It's like, well, this, are people going to watch this if I do this? And it's like, I'm letting all of that go for 2023. So I can start, work, you know, looking at all of these films and, and 
reviewing them. And like Andre was talking about, story building up to spectacle. But for me, I need the more of the foundational structure of reviewing to build up to what I really want to do overall. So it's, those are the things that I'm focused on in 2020 in terms of the movies that I'm looking at as well. And Andre, what you said, um, I've bought a new computer, a smaller MacBook Air that is solely for me to write. And I will be writing scripts. I will be writing stuff. I'm, I have made a goal of mine to sell a script by the end of the year. That's, wow. that's the goal of mine. And if it's going to happen, who knows? But it's going to happen. I am resolved to make it happen. And I'm speaking out into the universe. So those are so I, I hear you about story. I'm also going to be analyzing that stuff as well. Um, I got your back, Johnny. You, know what I mean? <laughs> I you know, if you need anything, you let me know. Of course, uh, always. I love you, man. Um, uh, all right. Is there anything, Andre? You got to go. So, is there anything? Any final things you want to say before you leave, brother? Yeah. Before I hop up, I just want to say the things that I notice always do well are stories about sacrifice and redemption. Yeah. If you have those two elements, I feel like. Hmm, it's gonna it resonates with more people than not and i it no matter what the form is sacrifice and redemption tend to really land big whether it's an alien whether it's a human being whether it's a pilot whether whether it's a, an animated figure so let, let's see where that takes us um but i i love that we have so much content now that there's a whole niche industry and an economy that is centered around film that is not necessarily just making the films. So that is beautiful. And that is a great opportunity for us. And thank God we live in a time where we can actually, you know, there's, there's money to be made and, and, and lives to be support from this, which is, yeah. which is great. That's a great point. Oh, please. Thanks for taking the time, Andre. Please let people know where they can find you, brother, and all the stuff you're working on, my man. Sure, sure. You can find me on, on Instagram, at Andre Gordon Official, on Facebook fan page, at Andre Gordon Official. And my YouTube is Four Horsemen Studios and my Twitter directed by Dre. There you go. Uh, and have you got and you've got a Star Wars project that's been going now for the last few weeks. Yeah, Star Wars chapter. We're up to episode, well, they could call them chapters. Chapter three is out. So that's streaming. You can find that on YouTube uh, or uh, on, on my Instagram. There's probably a link somewhere. And then uh, a mini series that we just finished called Wreck It Becco. And I have a couple new spots. I have a new commercial series coming out with carl winslow uh reggie nice uh, so, so that that'll be fun that'll be fun to see so awesome stuff, stuff coming out all right well we got to get you back on the cinephile so i uh, will be reaching out to talk to you about some films in the future for sure looking forward to it man all right thanks, all right Jeff. good to see thanks, you guys. Andre. Hey, see you um i had I, I had a couple of thoughts that, that, that you know it's fun having these these groups with all these great people talking because so many things pop into my mind. And the first one that popped in my mind is I realized an advantage of going to see a lot of movies is when yeah. you go to see a lot of movies. And I know this sounds weird, but there's something great about the fact that your standards can go down because like in, in a way that uh, I read, as you guys both know, I listen to tons and tons of books, usually at like two and a half times speed. And because I go through them so fast, I'll read a book that I wouldn't normally read and mm. it, maybe I don't love it, but I find something interesting about it. I've learned something new. I have a different experience and it's because my standards aren't actually that high. If you're only going like Steve to two movies a year, well, man, those better be great. They better be the most important movies. But if you're going to a movie a week, like we used to back in the day, well, Oh, there's this movie. I'll go see it. And maybe it'll be great. And maybe it won't. And that's okay. Like, yeah. There's sort of a different thing. The other thing I just want to bring up because we were talking about 2023, there are three movies 
that I've been thinking a lot about in 2023. One that I am super excited about and have very high hopes for. One that I really want to be good and very curious about whether this director will make this kind of movie well. And one that my heart is weak and I'm afraid to have it broken again. And those three movies are the one I'm most looking forward to that I have the best feeling about is Spider-Verse. Yeah, I think the first Spider-Verse is one of the greatest animated movies ever made. I think it, it might be the greatest superhero movie ever made. I absolutely love it. Super excited about the new Spider-Verse. The one that I'm really curious about is Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, I, I've read the book about him. Okay. He's a fascinating person. I don't know if Christopher Nolan can make the kind of movie that I think this movie should be. Ooh, like, really? Because Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan is such a spectacle. I mean, I have mixed feelings about Christopher Nolan. What is, was, wait, was Memento spectacle? Absolutely. Well, that's why I'm curious. It's okay. like, can he go back to making a personal yeah. character story that deals with serious themes in a serious way yeah. rather than an overwhelming experiential thing that doesn't always hold up to the most scrutiny? Yeah. Um, and of course, the one where my heart could easily be broken is Indiana Jones. <laughs> like, I mean, I watched the trailer and I was watching it like this kind of looks good. Yeah, it looks kind of good. Like, what's going to happen here? <laughs> well, it's mangled, and he did a great job with Logan. Absolutely. So hope he can bring that magic to send one more crotchety old dude out into the sunset with a great ending, uh, and you hope it he'll do it here. Right. Steve, my thoughts on what you just said, working in reverse order, Indie part is pretty broke. So I'm, I'm, I'm going kind of with an open mind because, you know, like, I actually have a good chance of being pleasantly surprised because I'm going – like I should probably watch Crystal Skull right before I go. You know what I, mean? I like, feel so like I'm you should. <laughs> I feel like you should. And, at all. Um, and then, uh, uh, yes, I, I think you and I have a, a lot of similar feelings about um, Christopher Nolan. Spider Verse. My friend of uh, twenty years, Joaquin Dos Santos, is one of the co-directors of the second film. He that's a friend produced- of yours. Oh wow! Yeah, he, well, well, he, he knew the first one. That. He he, wow. he he produced he co-produced the Tron show. He was yeah. a, a huge, important executive producer on Legend of Korra. I've known him since Justice League Unlimited. He wow. directed some of probably your favorite episodes of Justice League Unlimited, like Double Date. I don't know if you remember that one, where like the Question and Huntress go out and fight Green oh, Arrow, and nice. and so he he's ridiculously talented. So the fact that he's affiliated with this the sequel has me very excited, but you you make a great point, Steve. Like I remember I used to go to the movies, not just every week. Sometimes I go on my lunch hour, you know, while working (laughs) at an animated studio. And if it didn't grab me, I just leave after an hour, you know, I'd be like, well, I should probably get back to work rather than (laughs) rather than stay late during my lunch hour. Um, But uh, back to something you guys said before, and then I'll let you go. But everything John was saying about top down is so interesting. And Steve said this too. It's, it's fascinating what they did because they essentially they essentially kind of went what happens if you have a character like Maverick he doesn't really grow up for 35 years mm, you know like right. usually if you ever would revisit a character or something like that or do that he would have learned ostensibly he should have maybe learned the lessons at the end of Top Gun mm. it's almost like they said he hey he didn't really learn the lessons at the end of Top Gun and it, he learned it's almost some like, yeah right right but he, 
he learned about being a wingman. I mean, yeah, but but it's but he essentially we come back to him sort of having never learned, which is why he hasn't really advanced in his career in the different stuff. Right, he stayed the it's rebel. Kind of, he stayed the maverick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's a little bit of what J.J. A- Abrams was kind of trying to imply with Han Solo and Force Awakens, now that I think about it, in terms of like what happens if like a leopard can't really change their spots, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think Maverick did that so well. Um, and yeah, just to the thing on bringing up with Andre with writing with Andor, it's like Andor could be set in... Europe in the 1930s or in America in the 70s or 80s. Like it's, they just basically did a really interesting thing about how do you exist in this political environment? And then it just happens to be in a bunch of familiar space environment, you know, like environments, but right. There's no, none of the Royal families in there. There's no lightsabers there. There's only one droid, (laughs) you know, there's not too many people, even in alien makeup. I wish there was a few more, but then that's tough. Like, I guess, you know, that's what Star Trek TNG had a lot of. Like, yeah. okay, well, we've got a lot of people in funny hats. Um, but, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So I, it's going to be fascinating to see what this next, I think really what these next two years bring in terms of, right, as you guys to attest, COVID does not seem to be over, you know, and yeah. so we can't just run willy-nilly back into the theater the way that we used to and i miss it and really want that you know and then there's so many big tectonic shifts like steve brought before Usually, you have one big tectonic shift going on at a time in any industry or in any culture but to have so many happening at the same time it's a uh, it's very unpredictable and especially i mean something that's becoming a big big thing that's being talked about in my community and this is going to affect film too is with ai you know, what is mm. going to happen when people start, especially, Boy, I mean, a, I can't, yeah. I can't think of any place that would want more than, than Hollywood, you know, film studios and like the executives there going, can we just press a button and have someone give us a blockbuster formula script, you know, like, uh, and like, can we yeah. just feed in all the screenplays from the past hundred years of all the best blockbusters, you know? Um, that's what concern that's why i think is ironic which is why i didn't jump on that trend of putting ai pictures of yourself up because if that thing if that thing goes forward dude a lot of those people who put those pictures up will be out of jobs and let's see how quickly they're going to put those pictures up again ai is something that i have feared for many years uh, and i don't and i right. and not and i know in a playful way actual ai but the usage of ai in a real practical way absolutely if exa- already actors are paid less than they've ever been paid before, we may have a writer's strike coming up here in May, possibly if they can't come to terms with a lot of these streaming situations and situations like Zaslov canceling shows that are already shot and ready to go uh, or taking them off that have been on this, on their streaming service. So they don't have to pay residuals. Like there's all kinds of stuff where they marginalize creative so that they can make as much money as possible and pay creative as little as possible, AI would absolutely make that happen. And I think there's a generation coming that won't have an issue with it. And that's really my biggest fear because for them, they won't grow up in that situation where it's all uh, practical. It's much more all AI or computer generated. And what for them, it just seems like it's not a big deal. And that's really going to be a seismic shift. As you said earlier, Steve, the tectonic shifts that go on in the industry, that is going to be a massive one if that ever comes forward. It's 
I, it's funny, obviously, John, you and I have talked for years about AI, and <laughs> frankly, I've never been scared of the Terminator. I wasn't worried about uh, HAL 9000s. I'm not making... Foolish, this is not, foolish man. <laughs> here's what I'll say now. I'm not exaggerating. This is not making... Like, trying to make something dramatic. Yeah. I think this is genuinely, genuinely scary. I yeah. think we, we have just hit a turning point. I don't think, again, I don't think the robots are going to come to life and kill us. I do think a shit ton of us, and it's and it's three of us right here, yep. could be out of a job. Sure. I, 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 there is so, it is it is reached a level, you know, the, the water level has come up where there's all sorts of people who are writers and artists who are already have lost their jobs. I mean, yep. and, and the thing is, it's happening really, really fast. And as a teacher, like how you're going to deal with plagiarism rather than some student who says, make me up a pay. I've been watching friends use this stuff for art and use this stuff for writing and when i've read the, the you know i'm not an artist steve could judge better than me but when i've looked at the art and certainly when i've read the writing i have gone this looks like work done by a basically average you know maybe semi-pro or almost yeah. pro yeah that's really fucking scary i think Philip brings up an excellent point here. Talk to a kid in my family circle who did not know there were actors in Avatar, thought it was all CGI. So this is what I tell you. There's a generation coming where that's going to be the norm, not the exception to the rule. Uh, no, and that's John, and you, John, you make a really other good point, too, in terms of generationally. We already saw this kind of, if you go back to even just Napster, right, which is that the internet oh, yeah. kind of gave birth to, a, a, you know, like it kind of starts with teens, right? There's a sense of entitlement as a teen. When you're like, well, you don't own anything. And so therefore everything belongs to you. Like teens are who started, you know, back when we were kids, like bootlegging tapes and like, oh, well, I'm going to go to this rock concert and just bring my little recording, right. you know, like we, or we used to record, you know, we used to record, you know, each other's vinyl and trade it with each, you know, each other yeah. on cassette. But, but if you were an artist, you probably were like, man, that's, that's a royalty I lost those assholes not but you know like in we were kids at the time not thinking we were doing any damage you know right. but then that turned into napster and now we have like right my daughter's a teenager who loves to draw and just like me and my friends that learned to draw she's in that phase where i learned first by tracing you know i would take my comics and i could take tracing paper or i get a ballpoint pen and a carbon thing and i trace it and stuff and then you sort of try to pass it off until your friends around you go like, did you trace that? And you're like, well, yeah, you know, and then, and then you're like, all right, I got to learn, I guess I got to learn how to draw. if I want to get those kudos that right. I'm getting. And I see my daughter having that same sense of like, well, let me just use this rough reference from someone else. I'll re-ink it. I'll recolor it. I'll re everything. But she didn't start from scratch. And what we're seeing in a lot of the comments, I'm really proud of how all of my artistic industry has risen up really quickly. They're trying to get a lobbyist. They're trying to be really loud. They're doing a pretty good job of pushing back hard. And so far that I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing, but it yeah. might just be, unfortunately to what Steve is saying, just holding back an unstoppable wave. Yeah. I, because if you're saying, because kids, they just want in, you know, yeah. young people want in and they don't want to be told it's going to take you X amount of time to master a skill or to be able to buy a house or to do a thing, you know? And so, yeah, they want like, it well, now. Fuck, mm -hmm. fuck you, old guy. I don't care about why you had to spend a decade yeah. to get good enough to get in and another decade to get really good. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want in now. Yeah.
for sure. Oh, you muted yourself, Steve. Uh, I don't know how you did that, but you muted yourself. <laughs> Maybe someone for AI shut you off. I think it was the AI. I think the AI did it. But then, I mean, this is the big point. This kind of work is hard. And with my son trying to encourage him to do the hard work, well, he doesn't want to do it. And so you offer him an, offer him an opportunity. Oh, I could have this. I, I just told this thing to make the thing I want. And now I have it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. All right. I just, I, thank you so much for having me on. Even yeah. though it turned out I didn't get Scott's intro, I got an even better intro. So thank you for that, Mr. Roca. <laughs> Um, thank you brother and uh, I'll, I'll work on a better I, entrance for you next time i'm kind of known for that you. so you've given me something to aspire to to get better at so i appreciate it <laughs> oh yes fantastic i'm just trying to support <laughs> it on mance's intro basically all right well i hope that i see you i hope i get to be a guest on this before two years from now when i'm when we have an appointment for mad max fury road um but, right uh, that's right i've already pensed it's january 3rd 2025 but uh, done thank you guys awesome. hope, hope you have a great weekend a great year you too thanks, thanks steve. steve good to see you. all right there we go uh steve morris steve jones uh always fun to see him uh, uh ray i like that guy so um should we hit some of these stream labs super chats brother absolutely let's do it all right wiley todd donated thank you wiley he said the best podcast ever thank you, thank you wiley thank you very much Thank you guys for introducing me to small films that have changed my life, like The Commitments. But also, thank you, Roca, for making me a better man. But I have got to ask oh. whether you will ever do The Color of Money. This is his favorite film. Um, I've known uh, Wiley for a few years now. Um, Steve, is this is this something we would tackle? Maybe. So I, I, it's 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 funny when you have you're friends with someone for a long time, and even more so when you talk movies on a regular basis. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. I know for sure I like it more than you. You are not a okay. huge fan. I I find it to be like The Hustler is a great film. It is a it damn is, good. We haven't even done that. No. And right. it is you know you know what here's what I'm going to suggest. Let's do The Hustler and then let's do The Color of Money as a live show. Done. Oh, that's good. That works for me as a live show. Yeah. Okay. I'm down. All right. I can make that happen, I think in my mind. Sure. I like that idea. Because okay. I find it fun and right. interesting, right. but not great. That's my feeling about Color yeah. of Money. It's not the best of Scorsese's films, for sure, um, in my opinion as well. Um, all right, let's see. What else have we got here? Philip, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I got to circle back to that one. JMB says, uh, can we hope for Roka versus Mance 3 on Settle the Score? Roka, Steve, and Scott rumbling on Settle the Score. Would love that, and thanks for all you guys do. Uh, thank you, JMB. And yeah, he's talking about Matt Nost's show, Settle the Score, where you mm. battle over score uh, from movies, scores from movies or songs right. from movies. Have you been on it, Steve? I was on it once. Thanks. I was so nervous about it. I wrote, Matt wrote and asked me to come on. And I was just like, I don't think I'll be good at it. Like, I just don't, like, I'm not good at recognizing tunes. Yeah. And then I did end up having uh, fun. I didn't win, but I did okay. And you know, sure. You know, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm down and uh, I don't, I, I would totally take on Scott. It would be a lot of fun to play Scott, uh, but I might be playing somebody else uh, later on this Ooh. week. If Ooh. the schedules line up, we're, we're planning that right now. Uh, Wayne Edwards says, thank you for sharing the news, Steve. That took courage as a divorced man who considers my ex-wife, one of my best friends. I hear you much respect. I wish you both the best. Thanks so much, Wayne. You know, 
I have to say the 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 universal support we have gotten, yeah, there has been just amazing. Just you know, and 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 so thank you. That means a lot, Wayne. Thank you. Absolutely, thank you, Wayne. Appreciate you sending that in. Wayne also sent in a Streamlab, and he said, "As much as a mo- of a movie fan as I am, I saw more great TV last year than ever. So much well written content. That being said, I saw Top Gun Maverick and Avatar: The Way of Water three times a piece." With friends wow. and family, both of those films are experiences. Yeah, I agree with you on both points. I have found, I even now discovering some, like we just watched Loot. We just finished watching Loot. That was so much fun on Apple TV. We loved Slow Horses. Some great writing that w- went on in that show as well. But the, there's a lot of fantastic TV and or and other shows that have come over the last uh, 12 months, Steve, that are, were pretty fantastic and well-written shows. I, I, I think so. And I think it's the it's the place where more because you're not just competing with the huge franchises like in movies. Yeah. And you don't have people trying to hit the ball out of the park and you are trying to get diverse audiences of different ages and different interests. It's right. allowed TV to be a lot more interesting. Like uh, the bear was a fantastic show this year. Oh, yeah. There's a whole bunch of great TV this year. Yeah, absolutely. Bears one we have to catch up on as well. We haven't watched one episode of that. We got. I got to make her sit down to watch at least one episode to see if she likes it or not. And there have been comedies like Abbott Elementary. I think is a deceptively. I've well heard it's great. Show. I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. I've heard it's great. I think you will get a lot out of that show. I was putting that out there for you. Um, Fantastic three fourteen says progress always comes with sacrifice. I remember when my dad would shake his head about the tech I grew up with, and how I shook my head at the tech my sons grew up with. I remember in my day has real meaning. Of course, it's the circle of life. It's absolutely true. It's funny. I'll, I'll real briefly, the mm-hmm. big lesson I had when I went back to doing Aikido after a few years off and really when I started teaching, yeah, I, I remember I had one experience where I came in and I had the perfect lesson plan to teach this technique called Kurogashi. I was like, it's going to be the best. And I went over and over and I taught it and expecting that at the end of the class, the light bulbs would all go off and all the students would get it. And you know what? They totally didn't. Wow. And what I learned from that, it's not that it was a bad lesson. It's right. that you don't learn everything all at once. You learn by showing up on the mat yeah. and doing it over and over and failing and failing and incremental improvement. And that's how you grow. That's how you and I have grown on the podcast. Yeah, that's how you grow in everything. It is. Yes, you'll have moments of epiphany, but it's showing up and doing it over and over and over again. And that world is maybe that's dying with the way our technology is. So I really yeah. agree. Yeah, you have to be uh, getting getting on top of stuff. Um, all right, real quick, uh, it is Space Seed, Amok Time, and uh, the Menagerie, right? That's the one I did, right? Menagerie parts one and yes. two with you guys. So those are my top three. The Menagerie is well, number one, Space Seed number two, and Amok Time is number three. So there's your, the, there's your look, answers there, Philip. So, yeah. Those are great, great answers. Um, should we make a couple of announcements? Yeah, let's do it. As we wrap up the show here, stay tuned for these announcements right now. Don't leave. Don't don't uh, leave the show right now. Go ahead, Steve. What do we got going on? Well, the big thing we have going on is we're coming up to not next, not this coming Sunday or Friday, but the following one. We are entering into our not a month of a director, but our season of a director. And this is how this came about. We mentioned it a little bit on It's a Wonderful Life, which is that when we put out our listener survey for last year and our new listener survey is coming out soon, is that we asked what director or we asked what movie from 2013 you want us to do first and what movie from our early days would you like us to do again and both of those movies were were from the same director they are 
The movie we're going to redo is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And the movie from 2013 is Django Unchained. And so we decided, you know what? We got two movies from Quentin Tarantino. It's time to do a deep dive on one of the most influential, sometimes controversial, and fascinating filmmakers of our generation. And that is Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, this is an interesting thing we're taking on, Steve, because I mean, we've our our feelings about Quentin Tarantino have changed as we've gone along in our lives and as we've uh, gone and doing the show. So our thoughts on Tarantino are going to be very interesting things to explore um, as we uh, walk into this season yep. of Tarantino. Plus, we're going to have some great guests who are going to um, give us their thoughts as well. Uh, that we're going to be interviewing about Tarantino. And that's going to be coming up, as Steve said, very, very soon. Look for that artwork. That's the artwork that you want to be looking at and finding when you're looking for uh, us starting the process. We are going to be talking about starting off with, as we do every season, with the conversation about the filmmaker as one episode and then diving into his films in subsequent episodes in the season of Tarantino. So going to be very fun to explore him this time around as we're maybe different in our approaches to him as we were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So, and you've read his book. So I did. I recently read his book. Yeah. I definitely have some, look, he is an interesting guy and I have feelings about him, but one thing that I think we'll both agree on, he's genius. There's no question about that. Undoubtedly. And there are choices that this particular genius makes that I go, I don't know how I feel about that, (laughs) but it, but it's really well made, and so it is going to be an interesting conversation. Absolutely. What is that? Do we have any other announcements that we want to well, let you know about? Please. So part of why we're pushing one week with the Tarantino yes. stuff is we got a lot of guests we're trying to arrange. There's a lot of editing for me to do. So we suddenly went, ah, I don't know if we're going to get it done on time. And you suggested that we, hey, let's pivot and do something fun. Yeah. And the movie I literally just watched and is so much fun that we'll be doing next week is John Hughes ferris bueller's day off yeah this is a staple of my teenage years yes uh ferris bueller's day off this is when i thought matthew broderick was going to be the coolest guy for the rest of time who knew he was going to turn out to be a fun dweeb and that was his (laughs) uh his lot in life but this is the coolest film that you'll ever see matthew broderick in with a fantastic cast here uh with alan ruck who is a member of the star trek uh uh, alumni there being part sure. of the generations and also jennifer gray uh, um there just before she did dirty dancing so this I is like so, yeah. the, the initiation of jennifer gray charlie sheen in a small role in the movie as well um and there's a rumor that they're doing the sequel, or they've been announced that they're possibly doing a ferris bueller sequel that will be focused on the two parking attendants who take the car and take <laughs> off with the car and i can't okay. believe they're going to do that but that's what apparently is going to be what they're working on, of course. And this one tied into another guy. Like we talk about the season of Tarantino, we could easily do a season of Hughes, John Hughes doing so many sure. incredible films. This being one of his, um, I don't know, jewels in the crown of John Hughes for sure. It is so much fun. Yeah. I have some interesting new feelings about it having watched it this time, but <laughs> top to bottom, it was so, it's so dense with jokes. And, yeah. you know, it's I, I never thought of Matthew Broderick as one of the most charismatic actors. But in that movie, yeah. it is ex- charisma is exploding off of him. He's amazing. It's a great snapshot of a time in that dude's life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Anything more we should touch on or shall we wrap it up, my man? 
I, I I feel that this is you know we were writing back and forth about what we wanted this to be, and I was like, I just want some of my friends to show up and mm. talk movies, and that's exactly I feel like that's exactly what we got. Yeah, some of our friends did show up. We had a great time. Justin Toner said, "Hi guys, and happy New Year." I'm curious what the next watch along you're doing for Patreon is for Patreon is yeah. We had the last one in King Kong was fantastic. Lots of movies I'm looking forward to in 2023. Thanks for everything. Thank you, Justin. Steve, do we have a have we settled? On I don't I don't think we do. Ooh. I think <clears throat> no, I don't think we do. We kind of texted back and forth, but I don't even remember what we texted. So okay. yes, let's come up with one soon because th- those have been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Those have been a nice new thing to add. And for those of you who aren't a member of the Patreon, listen, you love watching our show, you love listening to our show. We're going into 2023. You've paid off your bills from Christmas, you got a little bit uh, extra lying around. So why don't you support us on the Patreon? we got multiple tiers with great benefits, as uh, Justin just mentioned here. Uh, watch along every month and we're doing now for the patrons uh, for them to enjoy. You get to, if you hit the top level, you get to select a film for us to do. Uh, and you get to send in your thoughts on the film that we play during the episode as well. So you get to be famous in a certain way by being a part of the show in that way as well. And you can head on over there to patreon.com slash thecinephiles with no space to see all the tiers there to support us uh, in the multiple ways that you do. We also have the Cinephile Shorts, which we like to take your suggestions and do Cinephile Shorts every week based on those suggestions as well. So uh, so come and join us on the Patreon and, and help us get to uh, uh, more people involved in the Patreon and build out the Cinephiles community even more here into 2023. Absolutely. Uh, all of your support has been great. Uh, yeah. I, you just reminded me, John, that, oh, we don't have a short for this week. We're going to have to record something. I don't know what that be. So we got to figure out our short. Mm-hmm. We got to get going on Ferris Bueller. We got to jump into Quentin Tarantino yeah. and we got to finish, figure out our next watch along. There's a lot of work ahead for the cinephiles. Yeah. Did you enjoy a break? Cause it's fucking over. Yeah. It's work <laughs> time now. Absolutely. Uh, and this is of course the end of the first week back in January. Uh, the wheels are moving now. We're back yep. starting Monday. Definitely get all this stuff in motion for sure. Um, all right, Steve, uh, please let people know where they can find you and all the stuff you got going on. So um, SR Morris on, yeah, SR Morris on Twitter, SR Morris one on Instagram. And of course, Scott Mance was on talking about enterprise incidents where we have concluded the original series. We have done our wrap up of season three. We just did our top 10 countdown which was a very surprising and interesting episode. That was yesterday. That's up now. And we are about to jump into the animated series. So Star Trek, the animated series is coming next on enterprise incidents. Nice. A lot of fun there. Um, And as for me, oh, and for the show, where can they find us on social media, Steve? Yeah. Uh, Cine underscore files on Twitter, Cinephiles podcast on Instagram. And, uh, and of course they should subscribe to it at your subscriber place like iTunes or YouTube, Stitcher or Spotify. And if you haven't let it, left a review, we'd really appreciate one. Yeah. Cinephiles.net. You can download the, or stream the movie. There you go. That's what I was going to add in. Thank you, Steve, for adding that. As for me, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the outlaw nation on Twitch, my own little YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says, if you want to see all the stuff, I'm doing over there and all the shows I've got going on and my other podcasts, uh, the uh, Geek Buddies, the Hot Mic with Jeff Snyder uh, and the Top Ten with Matt Nost for sure. So, all right, take care of yourselves, you all. Be well. Have a great rest of your Sunday and uh, get ready for all kinds of content coming from the Cinephiles here in 2023. We love you. Peace. Peace.